Welcome to the Leaders Who Care, a podcast powered by Dynamis Group. We are here to give the stage and support to those committed to create a positive and lasting impact way beyond the profits and margins, the leaders of the world who care for others and serve a bigger purpose. Join us on the journey of creating a better, more caring world. And now to your host, Marian Timalkov. Dear audience, welcome back to the Leaders Who Care. Today, we have the privilege to invite uh, uh, another special guest, someone who actually was recommended from another Leaders Who Cares. And uh, as we want to thank you because the community is getting uh, is growing and is getting bigger. And uh, today, uh, we have the privilege to welcome Slava Organezov. Slava is a co-founder and a CEO of one of the hottest scale-ups in the fintech world reinventing the supply chain finance and a, a mission-driven companies that um, is about to is impacting people uh, at scale and and uh, really the ambition is is so um, uh, inspirational and and really caring so Slava thank you so much first of all for joining us I know how busy you are and uh, running a startup that is uh, turning to a scale-up is uh, um, quite a mission and a challenge. So uh, welcome and thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Marianne. Pleasure to be here and uh, looking forward to uh, to sharing uh, this uh, podcast with you today and hopefully providing something of value to the audience. Well, Slava, you're, there's, uh, um, since our audience is... is uh, often leaders who care as well as the up-and-coming um, leaders that or uh, people that don't know what they want to do in life, the, the future generation, if you like, the Gen Z of this world that really uh, look for inspiration, look for what to do. And of course, they um, it's not an easy answer. Um, and I know how passionate you are, how driven you are to make a difference. But yet you come across quite balance quite uh, well-rounded and really focused um, that is rare to see for somebody in uh, his 20s can you tell us more about this Wh what's going on there <laughs> how could you be young how could you you know you know be in a, on a mission to scale up something that you know solve a global problem and yet you you, you feel it you kind of um, look like uh, um quite uh, quite well balanced and self-controlled sure marian i think uh, it's a lifelong journey but i'm definitely somewhere on the path so that's uh, that's a start look uh, to be completely honest um, to give you a real practical example of of how this happened um Maybe one of the reasons why I started younger is because I had challenges younger in life, right? And those challenges have kind of uh, made me, put me in front of a choice, right? Uh, what do I want to do? And kind of have uh, deep existential questions, <laughs> may put it that way, uh, which is um, what kind of led me to, to wanting to explore, A, doing a career with... Uh, doing something that I love and that would have an impact. Hence why I started Finverity and be on the other side going on the self-development or what was later rebranded once I actually understood what was behind the spiritual path, right? Um, 
And uh, some of the key things uh, behind this, honestly, is things people hear about from different sources, meditation, yoga, uh, lifestyle, which is uh, um, healthy. And uh, I'm personally vegan. So, you know, all of these things together drastically impact your life experience, your ability to, to see and have a vision, your care and uh, general your quality of life so um it's i would say it's a combination of uh, starting to ask uh, questions why early on and that leads you down that path of thinking of not just you know i could have just gone into investment banking or consulting i did go into consulting very quickly realized I'm uh, using 10% of my brain capacity and the remaining 90% I was using to generate uh, ideas for my own business and how to do something which was meaningful to me. Uh, but on the other hand, building your life in a way where you put these foundations in terms of habits and in terms of mindset to be able to then go on this, what is, to be fair, a challenging path while uh, remaining uh, kind of stable and healthy and happy and enjoying the, the process. So I think uh, it's about putting those pieces together um, and uh, that gives you the foundation to then kind of be stable, happy uh, and healthy. So um, thank you. That, that's, that's really uh, uh, also answers some, some key questions. So the earlier you have challenges, the more likely you are to... Um, have more experience later on that can help you because you, you're starting to see uh, things. Some people say, uh, let them have their childhood. Uh, you know, like sometimes uh, you don't want to start too early, right? It's, it's just, just because... Uh, absolutely. You, you know, I don't know whether there's a right or wrong answer here, of course. Everybody's I think everybody has, uh, exactly, everybody's their personal story. I had a very happy and uh, secure childhood. And then uh, in my, let's say, late teenage years, I started having challenges. Uh, that's, so I would say I had a good, good balance, let's say. Um, but I think everybody's story is personal. It's a question of how do you respond to those challenges and what choices do you make with it? And we, when you said in your late teenage years, uh, you, you, were, you were having obviously challenges. A lot of teenagers are having challenges nowadays. Uh, not necessarily because of security or, or uh, hunger, I guess. It's more of a really that peer pressure, the uncertainty, the future of the world, the climate change, the war. There's a lot of moving stones that because of the information, the overflow of information available today versus 30 years ago, uh, people know a lot more at a younger age, which often can overload their brain, their capacity, which leads to a lot of mental health and, and anxiety. Um, what is your advice to the, the current generation in, uh, in when, when they're going through that really times of not knowing what they want to do and, and really not feeling very, very well in their skin? Turn down the noise from outside and start listening to the inside, which is stop reading the news and consuming garbage because the vast majority of things which are out there in public domain is trash for the lack of better world because just feeding on fear and anxiety and disaster and apocalypse and so on and so forth 
be very selective with what you read and consume. The same thing as what you eat is the same thing for your mind. What do you consume in terms of media and stuff like that? And on the flip side, learn how to tune in inside. And the best tool for that that I know is meditation, right, by far, uh, which, which teaches you how to quiet down the mind. And once you can quiet down the mind enough, you can see and hear what do you really want to do, right? You already have all of that inside. You already know all of that. It's just often tuned. You often cannot hear it because there's so many voices screaming on the outside, which block out your internal intuition and your internal kind of knowledge of what you want to be doing and uh, where you should be going. And the meditation is amazing for that. You know, if you to give an example, if you have uh, w- water full of ripples, you're not going to be able to see through uh, to the ground, right, to the bottom. But if it's still, you're able to see much clearly. And that will also then reflect in how you see the world and how clearly you um, you analyze and overall see what's going on. Uh, I heard a lot of uh, successful leaders actually have recommended that. And uh, personally, I, I also do meditate on the word of God and, and Jesus. And that really helps me a lot to calm down, to, to really uh, focus. In, and I like what you just said about... Uh, um be like be on guard of what comes in your ma- mind your body <laughs> because if you said trash right if and i just for, for a moment i thought if you keep throwing r- trash in your clean room in, in i i visit your brain and your 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 body um you you're never gonna get it clean it's just continuously exactly. gonna be yeah. like uh, correct and then people get sick at their 30 in their 30s 40s and they try to go and fix it up with pills and all of this stuff that's not how it works you need to clean out all of the trash internally not try to get a, a, a hot a quick fix, fix a quick fix exactly so and um, whatever you subscribe to right whatever it makes it work for you Uh, meditation is just universal so i think it can apply to more people because you don't have to be religious right it's 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 an exercise for your mind you can start it i personally started literally as an exercise for my mind i had zero spirituality when i started doing it it was literally i was training myself to control my emotions better and so on and so forth and then once i actually went further uh, into it that's when i discovered the roots of yoga and where meditation initially came from and other aspects to it. But it is absolutely not required to benefit from just doing it um, and doing it consistently every day for a significant period of time for it to change you. How long do you meditate and what time of the day is that? I don't think it's... a. have been doing it for six years, so I normally... Like have a two-hour or three-hour practice every morning, which is not just meditation. It's meditation, visualization, yoga, and so on and so forth. But that might sound scary to some people. There's really no need or requirement for that. I literally started by meditating 10 minutes every morning. In my opinion, it's the best to do it in the morning because you can then start the day with a certain mindset. But I know for some people it works in the evening or whenever it works for you, it doesn't matter. Um, just fix it into your time, uh, it's a fixed time into the day and just keep doing it like religiously for the lack of uh, other uh, word. And uh, that uh, will 
make sure that the long-lasting impacts uh, it will have a long-lasting impact on you because there is also enough science now to prove that meditation completely rewires your brain cells and how your brain works even on a physical level uh, which then obviously changes how you view things how you can control your emotions and so on and so forth well thank you for sharing that that is uh, important really uh topic as always say you got to start with um, the certain categories that that's uh, meditation or the, for me the spiritual uh, aspect is very important mental is another important uh, physical is a third important so when you got those three covered then you can talk about and master the rest which is how can I serve to deserve and, and have the finance and the relationships I need so those five categories we all need to work in it's a lot of work, Slava. So, um, what's the, how do we get all done? Because it's overwhelming easily if you haven't done anything consistently, and people may not yeah. have habits. There, we live in a TikTok age where people want something quick fix, quick few few seconds, few minutes. It's just uh, and uh, yeah, it's that that seems a bit uh, too much work. Look, I was a very lazy kid, uh, like a very lazy kid. Yeah. Uh, but um, consistency and willpower is a muscle like your physical muscles is just a habit and a muscle you uh, it all of this might sound overwhelming at first but if you start building it block by block every day same thing start meditating five ten minutes every day nobody it's not hard everybody can find time to do that start working out or stretching or doing yoga 15 minutes a day right again that's not hard you can't have excuses for not doing 15 minutes of physical exercise um nobody's asking you to do three hours right and uh, do it in that progressive manner and then once you're comfortable with it you can gradually increase it and you will actually see the benefits and you will start enjoying it because once you're good at something you get into the flow, whatever that is, and you start enjoying it. So if working out initially for people who never worked out is a hustle, for people who work out regularly, it's a relief and they love it because they know how to do it. They get into the flow and they enjoy it. The same thing here and the same thing with work, right? Um, if you're actually, obviously you need to be doing what you like doing, but in whatever job you're doing, especially building a startup where you need to look at 40 different functions within the same day there will be things which you don't necessarily enjoy as much but if you have the right attitude of looking at it as uh, contributing to something bigger on one hand on the other hand if you got yourself into the habit of going into the work and going into that flow then you can enjoy whatever you're doing regardless just some things are going to be more fun some uh, less fun but you're still going to be enjoying the process now, talking about the startup and that you're leading and, and uh, that is more of a scale-up now, um, how did it all start? What, what inspired you to establish such a mission-driven company? Uh, look, it all started uh, pretty much when I was uh, just finishing my bachelor's, right, and starting to work. Um, I've always wanted to have my own business. My father is an entrepreneur. <clears throat> Um, so I always knew kind of I would be going down that path one day, uh, right? But initially, I thought I would be doing a corporate career for longer. Uh, but uh, as I went into the corporate career, right, um, 
I it just lacked two things for me, and that's for me personally, right? It lacked a freedom and b impact. Um, so I started thinking, what are some of the real issues I'm seeing, uh, which I can help resolve, and on the basis of which I can build a impactful and scale scaled up business. And uh, that was uh, helping redistribute capital that around the world because I'm originally Russian and I've lived in London for basically half of my life. And uh, you see very different worlds, especially when it comes to finance between emerging and developed markets. Um, so the question arose, how can we help make it more even and uh, how can we help um, the whole system operate more ef efficiently and effectively because... It, it will, at, at the end of the day, inequality and the limited access is, is an efficiency. It's a lack of efficiency of the system. Um, it's not redistributing uh, resources how it should. And um, then um, I got my co-founder, Alex, um, involved and excited, who was also hating his corporate job and also always uh, wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, we have very similar backgrounds from that regard. He's Romanian, also lived in London, went to school to uh, uni together. And uh, we started um, understanding what is the best way of doing that. And trade finance uh, came as a natural consequence of that thinking because trade, A, connects sort of uh, finance to the real world because you're funding real trade and B, trade connects the globe. So markets which trade between each other is the blood of the of the economy. So we, we started going into trade finance and then realized that there is a $1.7 uh, trillion funding gap there, which is just a quantitative number to put on what everybody pretty much knows uh, intuitively anyways, uh, right? And then uh, we went out and started building what do two young Eastern European guys with beards do? They build technology, right? That's the only thing that they uh, can do well. Uh, so we went out and uh, initially built the tech platform uh, to be able to facilitate that. And then we realized we can help the ecosystem um, in one of two ways. And at the moment, we run uh, two business uh, models on top of it. One is a funding platform where we connect corporates and financial institutions and then operate, uh, put, do the full end-to-end -end kind of um, originate to distribute process where we take the transaction from all the way all the way to completion and then operate it on our own platform helping the funders manage exposures and so on and so forth and then we have a software licensing business or SaaS, uh, where we take the same underlying tech and license it out to banks and bfis who want to completely uh, revamp and improve their internal operations and customer facing experience so that's a uh, quick overview of uh, of the origin story if you will yeah just to clarify a little bit more on the on the two different uh, solutions you provide um and uh when you say you license it to banks uh, um what is the uh, uh, this why would they want to use that license instead of building it themselves what's the uh, benefit for them Look, I mean, that's the question of why the whole fintech industry exists, right? Uh, banks spend not even millions, hundreds of millions. If you look at big banks from Barclays to HSBCs of the world, they spend hundreds of millions on systems and then throw it out. 
because it's completely unusable. And that's just because big institutions, especially financial institutions, don't know how to build technology in most cases. They're bankers. They're not uh, product people or tech people, right? So it makes a lot more sense for for vast majority of financial institutions in our space and in other spaces as well uh, to partner and license this system, which is purposely built, investment made into and the whole purpose of and focus of the company who was doing it is to do that, right? Rather than try to replicate something like that themselves. Um, so I think, especially after COVID, uh, vast majority of financial institutions understand that now. And there has been a massive acceleration in terms of adoption of technology by uh, in B2B finance. It happened first in B2C because consumers are always easier um, and faster to adopt. And now it's happening in B2B, including in trade finance and different parts of lending and so on and so forth. And for those who don't understand very well the trade finance and um, and really how it how the supply chain finance works, basically, um, what are the positive consequences of that solution of what Inverity is, is solving? Um, what uh, a normal business somewhere in the emerging market uh, could benefit from? Sure. Uh, Look, first of all, trade finance is just a generic umbrella for any kind of finance which goes into facilitating trade, right? Uh, Or into a supply chain where different parties trade with each other, normally to unlock working capital in that supply chain. So under trade finance or supply chain finance umbrella, you have a lot of different sub products, but I'm not gonna go into that level of depth now. If you take a simple example of traditional supply chain finance, um, imagine that since uh, we're in the UK, you have Waitrose who is buying Apple, anything from apples to socks from 10,000 suppliers, right? Those 10,000 suppliers would supply their goods to Waitrose um, and would have, let's say, 60-day payment terms. Uh, so after they've already produced and delivered the goods, which is already a long time, they still have to wait for another 60 days before they get paid. Now, this is UK. You take the same example in the Middle East, This there will be 120 days. In some places, 180. And in other places uh, across the world, this, uh, this is similar. Uh, so what, what we can do, we will go to Waitrose, but we focus on mostly mid-market. So imagine a mid-market version of Waitrose in the Middle East as an example. Um, and we will tell them that, look, your suppliers, instead of you waiting for 60 days, you can sell your invoices for the goods you've already delivered now, pay, I don't know, 1%, 2%, whatever is the fee discount on that. So instead of you getting paid $100 in 60 days, you get paid 98 today. And you can reuse that working capital that you just unlocked to reinvest in stock, to reinvest into anything else you do, which is absolutely paramount for business, which is physical, which is based on trade, which is vast majority of businesses. Although tech gets a lot of uh, attention, vast majority of businesses around the world are physical. Um, that gives them a whole bunch of working capital that they can use to then grow um, and to scale up, which is normally very difficult to access. Um, and uh, 
Uh, obviously, we put a lot of different spins on it. There is technology which enables all of this to happen. There are different funders plugged in at the back of it. But that's the very gist of it and the very uh, basic principle. And then there, there are derivatives of that. Thank you for sharing that. And um, when it comes down to Finverity, uh, you've launched it during your university time. Is that right? Or was it um, afterwards? It was afterwards. So uh, after um, after PWCA went uh, to do my master's at uh, LSE, London School of Economics, and I went already with an idea that I'm going to start uh, Finverity, which wasn't called Finverity back then. It was just an idea. Um, and then I so I went to study master's uh, in management of IT, um, which would allow me to understand better the tech side of things, how to design systems and so on and so forth. And throughout that... Um, course i basically pretty much worked a lot of the time on the business on the initial gist of the business including uh, getting my course mates to 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 contribute uh, through different uh, project coursework because nobody would come up with ideas so i'd always come up with my idea and everybody would be happy to work on it um and then as uh, as i started uh, as we passed exams um i i did an accelerator uh, Founders Institute Accelerator, already with Finverity um, uh, as the core uh, behind it, while writing a dissertation for uh, LSE also pretty much on Finverity or pre pre in particular on disintermediation of credit markets um, through technology. So I was, it started throughout basically. And then as, as we were finishing up, I was doing dissertation and accelerator in parallel. Um, and then as I graduated from that, we pretty much raised our first round with Alex uh, almost immediately. I mean, obviously, there was a lot of work put be before that. But as soon as we graduate, I graduated, we um, raised our first round. He quit and uh, we moved in into our first tiny office in Moorgate. <laughs> what a story. And I understood that um, you had some, your professor supported you or was ally. Is, is that right? Yeah, our first, uh, well, we had uh, basically our first round was roughly 200,000, which I still have no idea how we got, but I'm thankful to the people because we just had passion uh, and uh, Excel and the deck and nothing else uh, behind it, right? Um, so one, uh, the two main investors in our first round were one of our uh, university professors from uh, our bachelors from CAS, and then... Um, uh, his army buddy who uh, has been um, who's been uh, very helpful and uh, is now also sitting on our board he's helped us uh, throughout the early stages of the company significantly and is uh, currently is also sitting on our board so um, and we closed our first round in a leon cafe in paddington <laughs> well, that's, that, that, that just shows that uh... Really interesting insights. You're sharing that this is probably a great example when when you go to do a master's or, or a specific uh, um, MBA, you've got already an idea in mind you want to really develop and grow. It was just, uh, I love the idea that uh, you went very deliberate and you were really focused on, on getting this done and, and you did it. I, I really enjoyed my master's. They also sponsored my first visa in the UK to start the business. So I'm thankful to them for that. And they also met my wife there. So I had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Wonderful. Um, 
Well, becoming obviously a, a leader at such a young age is, is, is quite impressive and could be overwhelming. You talked about some of the meditations that you do and uh, um, what else do you do to really, uh, or advice you could give to especially people that are in your position, that are starting a company or running a company at such a young age, but uh, they may not be balancing things very well. Um, how to, because I've heard people regret that they grow too much too, too soon they, because the joy was, was, was kind of gone at some point. And, and how do you, how do you balance? So you, you, you have the joy. Look, I think uh, apart from the things I already talked about, the other most important thing is have a good co-founder, right? Mm. And a partner with whom you can effectively share the joys and the loads of it all, right? And that's probably the second uh, or first, whatever you want, however you want to rank them, equally important element of uh, your life within a startup. If you're doing it all kind of alone, um, uh, obviously it gets more difficult. If you have a partner and a co-founder or multiple, depending on how you set up with whom you can um, share the journey, I think it makes it a lot, A, more fun and B, enjoyable and easier. Uh, but obviously you need to make sure you choose somebody who you resonate with and who you can uh, envision yourself uh, uh, for a long time. We often uh, joke uh, with Alex that we are, um, in truth, we are married as well. So, uh, you know, this is, this, is, uh, this is a long uh, journey. So you need to make sure who you have, whoever you, you are uh, co-founding a company with uh, is going to stick around and you guys are going to get along for a long time. But I would say this is the other uh, most uh, important aspect of it. I agree and I completely um, behind you. And uh, I personally also with uh, my co-founder and, uh, uh, and partner, Ellie, who's been a really uh, a great, uh, obviously, in addition to my family, my wife, without them, you can't do much. But it's so important because to do when you're together, we, we lift things much easier. We... We take difficult hits and difficult moments much easier. Uh, we we rejoice more when we have success, and, and it's just like multiplied. Like when you when you climb that mountain or that Everest, you know you don't want to be alone, right? So I always say maybe yeah. you want to have a barbecue there <laughs> and share it with someone. <laughs> Absolutely, I think. And the the other thing that I would say is uh, your attitude, right, and how mm. you how you look at things and that goes back to practicing meditation or any type of uh, practice that you do um, um, and generally reading literature and so on and so forth is how you perceive things because two people in the same with the same set of problems with the same set of challenges will one will perceive it as a fun ride and the other one will perceive it as a torture right so um, and you can really build that out through through doing uh, doing these things you have care as one of your core values in your culture and in verity um, tell us more what is the role of care in in fin verity and for you personally absolutely look um for for us as a company there are two sides to it right on one side, it's care about the work we produce, so have which translates into practical things like having very high quality of stuff we put out and 
attention to detail and actually caring about the work that you do, right? Not just showing up from nine to five and kind of that's it, right? And the second part, which is care about the output and the impact on the wider world, be that your colleagues, your customers, stakeholders, or generally the industry and the ecosystem and the world. And uh, that is, I think, um, that is the founding principle as we talked about through which the com- on which the company was born. And this is, uh, this is uh, one of the key pillars for us. Um, it's, for me personally, I think that it is also very important and this is just how I am, right? Uh, I can't talk uh, much about why. Uh, one of the things is obviously, again, once you start doing these practices and I keep going back to it, it helps you open up your heart. Um, uh, I was really an intellectual and an analytical person, which is completely out of touch with my emotions. That's how I was brought up and uh, just because I have a strong mind. Uh, generally, people with strong minds are less in touch with their emotions. Um, so doing these practices and kind of helping you develop your uh, EQ apart from your IQ will A, balance yourself out, B, make you a much better leader and uh, a better person overall. Well, that's a very interesting. So you, what you were saying that you could um, not train, but open your heart that is that is a a nice way to get in because we probably all have it i mean especially we live in a world where we all unique and with neurodiversity with our how the makeup of our brains and the way we are and um it's interesting to see that you could really get in touch with those deeper emotions and you can understand uh people and human beings uh, and and relate to their feelings uh even sometimes that could be easily solvable problem and something that you may not necessarily see as a problem for for them. Yeah, I think it's very important if you want to lead people overall in whatever field you are, you need to be able to do that, right? Uh, you can be a robot psychopath, but and some people still succeed with that, but that's A, not enjoyable, B, everybody around you has a miserable time. So what's the point? Slavo, Moving forward, what is your uh, ambition for Finverity on one end? And um, in your lifetime, what is what is something that you want to see? You practice visioning. Tell us more about uh, if there was no limits, what, uh, what a brighter future or brighter world will look like for you. Yeah, look, so for Finverity, our aim is very clear. We want to to completely change trade finance, starting with trade finance. And then um, if you ask for without limits, then overall move to finance overall and uh, uh, rework the system in a way where it works for everybody um, and be that sort of infrastructure layer and which uh, makes the ecosystem work much better enables different parts of the ecosystem by addressing their needs to then channel capital to where it needs to go. And over time, even taking trade finances and asset class outside the existing ecosystem and allowing other types of capital to be channeled into that. And then repeating the similar process with other financial products, right? If you ask for my long-term grant vision. And then personally, where I want to see the world, I want people to stop uh, killing themselves, killing the planet and uh, 
and uh, just live heavily, happily ever after, right? Uh, that's a very generic statement, but uh, uh, I think uh, we should have evolved at this point uh, beyond the point of wars and things like that. Um, and uh, obviously I'm speaking from a personal experience because I'm a Russian with everything which is going on right now. Uh, and my wife is Ukrainian, so we see how this thing affects both sides, right? And it's just completely unnecessary. Um, so my uh, hope and uh, and plans uh, in the longer term is to help uh, in, I don't know exactly how this will be or in what shape or form, help build uh, international institutions that will facilitate better collaboration across the world and uh, um, prevent such stupid things from happening. Peace. You said peace. And uh, it's uh, important to find the peace within before we can live in a peaceful world because if people don't have the peace within, uh, they get very easily irritated. Ego could get in the way. And uh, thank you for your wish. Peace is, uh, is really important and... Um, uh, probably one of the greatest privileges we could have so we could serve and create and uh, more humility thank you for your humility as well your care and integrity as well which is uh, important Slava once again thank you for taking the time today it's been a, a pleasure to have you today and sharing all those insights and uh, wish you um, uh, good luck in your ongoing journey and uh, blessings to you and your family and Finverity's team. Thank you, Marianne. It was my pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me and uh, take care. Thank you.